Hello, my name is Van Sneed, and welcome to another episode of the PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now, on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe each week will speak with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we'll take a look at some of those topics that are being discussed and we'll dive in just a little bit deeper. In our last episode, we took a look at the fruit of textual criticism, and I want to pick up that discussion today. So let's do this thing. So by way of review, textual criticism, I want to make sure that we define that just so that we're all on the same page. We're not going to review everything that we've talked about so far in this series, but I think it would be helpful just again, so it's fresh, top of mind, just to review textual criticism, which is essentially the science of attempting to reconstruct the text of documents. And as we noted previously, it's based on principles and parameters by which we can ascertain which manuscripts are closer to that of the original. Now, Alexander Souter, who we've quoted on this podcast before as a professor of theology for over 40 years, knows a whole bunch of languages, he defines textual criticism this way. Textual criticism seeks by the exercise of knowledge and trained judgment to restore the very words of some original document which has perished and survives only in copies, complete or incomplete, accurate or inaccurate, ancient or modern. And individuals that are practicing textual criticism are incredibly smart. Dan Wallace is one of those individuals, and we quoted him extensively in our last episode. He's the senior research professor of New Testament studies at Dallas Theological Seminary. And although we looked at some of what he had to say about textual criticism, it was one quote in particular that that really stuck out, and I'll, I'll read it now. Quote, We do not have now in our critical Greek texts or any translations exactly what the authors of the New Testament wrote. Even if we did, we would not know it. And so at the end of the last episode, we simply asked a question, which is, if textual criticism cannot affirm that we have the correct text, then why would we trust this method to deliver the Bible to us? And a further question could be asked, What then would be the fruit of textual criticism? And for me, that answer would be doubt. If I don't know that a scientific man-made method based off of repeated principles could deliver to me the text of the Bible, well, then how would I ever know if what I had were the very words of God? It would not be a comfort to me to know that we were constantly trying to reconstruct the Bible rather for me, skepticism would seep in. And so in today's episode, I really want to talk about the fruit of a faith-based view. And some of this may sound like some of the themes that we've talked about prior. And, you know, some of that is just what you get when you're talking about a podcast that, you know, is kind of working through some of these topics. But I'm also taking Alan Shelby's manuscript evidence class. I know I've got a podcast about the KJV Bible while simultaneously being a student and learning about the KJV Bible. So, I mean, listen, listen at your own risk. I don't know what to tell you, but this class is really great. I missed it two years ago when it was last offered 
and I had to make sure that I got it this time around. But Alan is dropping just jewels of wisdom, and there's a couple of things that I really want to highlight and then just kind of talk about because I think they're pretty neat. The first is this quote about the nature of Scripture, where Alan says, Scripture is sacred writing from God, even though it comes through unholy men, containing the unique property and nature of carrying the authority of God himself. And this is a great, man, such a great, insightful, succinct definition of just how important Scripture is for a lot of reasons. But the the thing that, that I was really struck by is just that simple reminder that God does use unholy men for holy means. And it reminded me of a story that I think is going to it's going to help us to understand the fruit of a faith-based position on the Bible. And the story is the building of the tabernacle in Exodus. So when we're talking about the tabernacle, we're talking about the place where God is going to dwell with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. But of particular interest for this discussion is the recounting of the individuals responsible for the construction of the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, and the elements therein. Listen to what it says in Exodus 35, starting in verse 30. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass, and in the cutting of stones, to set them, and the carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahizamech of the tribe of Dan, them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple and scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. So again, the tabernacle is a huge deal. This is where God is going to dwell. And I want to call our attention to to three things that I noticed based off of this passage. And the first is that God himself calls Bezalel and the other guys by name. Also, God himself fills these men with the Spirit of God, and Bezalel is equipped for the work. So these men that are called by God, that are filled with the Spirit of God, are equipped to do the work of God. And the end result is going to be that God's presence is manifested on the earth. We see the tabernacle being completed later in Exodus chapter 40. In verse 34, it says this, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So this is what I would call a success. God uses these men to build the elements necessary for the tabernacle, all of the sheets and the individual tools and the labors 
and the altar and the ark. And when it is reared up, God's presence is dwelling on earth. But what does this have to do with the KJV? Well, again, I was thinking about the manuscript evidence class just this past week. And again, Alan Shelby said something equally awesome to the first thing that we talked about, which is this. The Bible stands in the place of God in your life. And he gave a lot of references for why this is. And and we'll visit just a few of those, just so you get the point. But one of the things that he mentioned is that it actually speaks in the place of God. And so if you think back to the story of the Exodus, where God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and to let his people go. We see this in Exodus 9, 13, and 16, where it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And in verse 16 it says, And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Now, the Apostle Paul, making reference to this story in the book of Romans, says this in chapter 9, verse 17, For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. So, wait a minute. Hold up. Let me get this straight. In one passage, it says that God spoke to Pharaoh, and in the other passage, it said that Scripture spoke to Pharaoh. So, which is it? And the answer, of course, is yes. We see this connection between God and Scripture to where they cannot be separated because Scripture speaks in the place of God. We also see that Scripture is shown to have the attributes of God, one of which would be omniscience. We know, just through the reading of Scripture, comparing Scripture to Scripture, God himself is omniscient. He knows everything. Listen to this passage in Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now listen to this. Verse 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. So here we can see again very clearly that the attributes of God are also, are also the attributes of scripture. And so as I was sitting, well, I guess virtually sitting, I, you know, I'm taking the class online, which is, you know, do it online, guys. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you can't make it in person, make it in person. I'm going to try and make it in person next week. But I'm sitting in the class and I'm thinking about, well, man, the Bible stands in the place of God in my life. And man, it again, as I'm thinking about that and then thinking about the rearing of the tabernacle, my thought was, if God filled unholy men with his spirit, in order for the tabernacle and the ark to be constructed, right? His presence on the earth. And could he not do that with the Bible? I mean, I think, I think that God's people filled 
by His Spirit and equipped to do the work of recognizing sacred texts based upon God's providential promise of preservation and His zeal to perform it, man, I think that I can have a faith-based view that leads me to be confident because the task of preserving God's word, God's presence on this earth is, is not up to me. It's up to God. So guys, as always, I want to thank you for joining me on this episode of the PS Plus you know, I know this episode was was a little bit different, kind of more devotional, but within our series, but I hope it was helpful to you. Now, if you were listening to those Illmatic quotes by Pastor Alan Shelby, and he said, man, how can I hear those sweet, sweet morsels of awesome? Well, you got to take the manuscript evidence class and you still can enroll. You need to go to lfbi.org. You need to get yourself enrolled Immediately, there's still time. You can still catch up and you will benefit from it. I thank you as always for listening and I hope to talk to you next time. Take care.